I kind of look at copywriting as more, it's a conversation. It's not about flowery language and that you can write these beautiful grammatically correct sentences. It's really about capturing attention and driving action. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the brilliant Christy Sigelski. Christy Sigelski is a copywriter, email marketing strategist, and podcaster committed to connection-driven marketing for coaches and course creators. From her show, Captivate and Convert, to her client accounts, Christy works to pack personality and true-to-customer voice in client email sequences and sales copy. After spending 20 years as a stay-at-home mom and committing to finish her BA in English, Christy began using blogging as a place of reflection. Feeling a little late to the online game, Christy used writing as a way to grow her e-commerce site for her own brand of all-natural margarita mixes and unknowingly built up her self-confidence in the process. Christy raised her hand to several copywriting opportunities, and her online business and title as a copywriter was born. Since 2018, Christy has successfully worked with one-on-one clients, created and sold hundreds of her signature products like the Hot Copy Intensive, along with having recorded nearly 70 podcast episodes. She has bylines in notable publications like Thrive Global and Go Write, and has guested on popular podcasts like The Copywriter Club. When Christy is offline, she's probably snuggling up to her two French bulldogs, listening to some Duran Duran, or maybe even shopping for her next sassy coffee mug. Christy, you have had a harrowing tale of technology battles (laughs) and camera issues, but you have made it. And so it is my honor to ask your tenacious self this question. What do small business owners need to focus on this week? (laughs) More than anything that I can think of at the moment is not to take yourself too seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm already picking up what you're putting down. (laughs) Tell me more. Tell me more. Technology issues aside. Yeah. I am. I don't know. That's just the first thing that popped into my mind. And I think we're going to, we're going to kind of go down a road and um, talk about one of my favorite fictitious characters. And uh, I think that's like kind of the theme of, should I, should I say it? Should I say Say it? it. Bueller's coming up. Um, That's like one of my, one of my loves of, of Ferris and why I included in my marketing stuff, because like he doesn't take himself too seriously. Right. It's like, no, he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck. And also he can pretend to give a fuck when it's important to him. Like <laughs> if he needs to, and he can put the effort in like his elaborate bedroom setup. Oh my God. All of that. That is 
entrepreneurship in action. That is <laughs> forward thinking. That is cutting edge. But beyond that, he doesn't really give a shit. He just yeah. really kind of does it. But then, you know who does? Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> he gives a great big shit. So Ferris could turn it on and off depending on his brand persona. Yeah. Audience. He can, he can also be a little uh, manipulative, which which I'm going to just kind of ignore and gloss over that part because I don't like it, but that's not the best. That's not the best part of Ferris. Yeah. The lying's not great. <laughs> you know, the poor lying's Cameron. not great. We recently had, Oh, poor Cameron. Okay. Cameron needs like group therapy specifically so that everybody can just love up on him and be like, most of your friends will not disrespect you to this extreme degree, Cameron. Yeah. And then Cameron needs to get himself to a boundaries workshop, as do many <laughs> small business owners, right? Like, I think I see more of myself. I think I wanted to be a Ferris yes. growing up and then grew up into a Cameron. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I always say, you know, Ferris is my spirit animal, but that's like total, you know, wishful thinking. I am Cameron. I literally am Cameron. So it's like, I aspire, <laughs> I aspire to Ferris, but you know, more of like the worrier and, you know, you must do things this way or everything's going to blow up in your face, but I'm learning, you know, I'm learning. And now I think, you know, kind of going along with not taking yourself too seriously is, is really like kind of treating things as an experiment, right? Cause yes. the world's not going to end if you fuck up. It, oh. like, that's the reality. <laughs> I love that you specifically brought that up because you're a fabulous conversion copy queen. Well, thank you. So many times my clients will come to me and they will be like white knuckling this copy and they're like, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. It's finally there. It's taken months to write this email, but I got it and it's yeah. there and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, just send it out and then we can see how it's received and then we can address it accordingly. It's okay if your copy is experimental. It's okay if you're going to say, hmm, I want to A-B test this or not and just throw something out and see if it sticks. That's okay. But I feel like copy is one of the areas where we're like, I must not experiment. I must mm -hmm. use approved buzzwords and hashtags. Uh, you must use all of the gimmicks being sold to me in Facebook ads. I must send at the exact right time and I must not falter from this path. And it's like, y'all, all copy, all social media can be an experiment and often is whether we want it to be or not. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, everything, everything in business really, because, and it's funny, you said, you said something about like seeing what sticks and I got to tell you, one of my um, pet peeves is like when people use that saying, you know, throwing spaghetti at a wall to see what sticks as a negative, but because I'm like, how the hell else are you going to figure out a, what you want to do, you know, be what you're good at and, you know, what you, what works and what doesn't, if you're, if you're not willing to try some, some different things, you know? So I say, throw that spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> yes. I mean, and also spaghetti is never the wrong choice. <laughs> never. Carbs are never, never wrong. the wrong choice. No, <laughs> no. So I love that we're talking about all of this. And I love that you and I are, uh, we've just discovered about each other that we are both um, Ferris wannabes who grew up as Camerons. 
let's just assume for a second that self-employment did that to us. <laughs> Living this Cameron life that we are, how do you think entrepreneurship or self-employment sort of beats the Ferris out of us? Uh, and how do you think we can get that back? Well, I, I mean, I guess I can only speak from my own experience, right? But I I came into the online business game very late in the game. I mean, you know, my business is only four years old. Well, this this business, my copywriting business, I did have uh, a business, a product-based business several years ago that kind of, you know, inadvertently and, and crazily led me to this because I didn't know that what I was doing in that business was copywriting and marketing. I what do you, what do we all do, right? We look to other people who are who have what we want. We look to other people who are doing what we do and seem to be killing it. And you know, I think at first it kind of at least for me, you know, really served as inspiration and um I was like, yeah, you know, motivation, I could do this. But then kind of the deeper into it I got, it really kind of messed with my brain a little bit because, well, not a little bit. I mean, a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm looking to people who had different experiences than I did, you know, different lives. They were at different points, different stages in their careers, different seasons in their lives. And yet, you know, I was looking to what worked for them as sort of the holy grail, like the only way that, that this could work for me. And that really kind of drown out my my own my own intuition or like my my own ability to connect with, you know, what was right for me because, you know, blueprint blueprints can be helpful. Like it's great to look at somebody else's journey and and say, oh well, okay, they they tried this and that worked for them or they followed these steps, but at the end of the day, you don't know that that's going to work for you. So I, I'm kind of like. Take, take it as inspiration, play around with it, see what feels right. And, you know, but, but kind of like go your own way, you know, and, and I didn't, I kind of lost the ability to do that because I didn't trust myself when I was looking to so many other people, you know, as, as kind of my role models. I cannot possibly love every single inch of what you just said enough. You just said like 97 things. And I was like, <gasps> and I was like, I got to comment on that. And then I was like, I got to comment on that. And then you just kept going. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best. But, you know, one of the things that I've said before, and I'm so grateful that you brought this up is a blueprint is not a whole house. You can look mm -hmm. at it, but you can't live in it. Right. And I see working so intimately with so many small businesses, especially thought leaders and coaches and writers and, and stuff like that. I see this ever warring dichotomy between be authentic, be authentic, be authentic. And here's a swipe file. Mm -hmm. And I don't have anything against swipe files. I think swipe files are great if you're using them as blueprints. But I think it's extremely challenging to be like, cool, I'm going to be totally authentic today. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to be really, really vulnerable. And I'm not going to change this Facebook post at all, except to put my own name in because so-and-so said that this is how I'm going to get the big bucks. And it's like, y'all, I call those like the attack of the clone copywriters. Like it's, they're everywhere, right? Yeah. And we see this and we've all done it. We've all written the like, 
five keys, webinars, titles, and the everything else. And, and those things exist because they work. But to your point and, and from your vantage point as a very established copywriter yourself, but also someone who teaches the art of conversion copywriting, how do we do that? How do we show up and say, I'm going to try this on for size, but not I'm going to try this on to the point where I blend in? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I mean, it's funny. The swipe files. I ha- I sell swipe files. I have I have them, and um, it was funny. Like I I really like dragged my dragged my feet, kind of creating something like that. If like people wanted it, you know. But I was yeah. like, oh, I hate them. And and you know, kind of side note. I, I, there was a couple years ago that a very internet famous copywriter. Um, she had swipe files available. Like when you signed up for her program, you got these, you know, this set of, I don't know, it was like 30 swipe files and literally every black Friday email I got in my inbox, hands down was exact copies of those swipe files. And I've even, I even saw them again this year. Like I got, you know, people were still using them word for word. Yep. And I, I just, I was like, this is, I mean, the idea is, is kind of to, to give you an example of, you know, what it's like to, what, what it can look like to insert your personality or to share like a funny story. The method behind it. Yes. Like why are we pulling on this heartstring? Yeah. 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 So I don't, I, I mean, I don't know, like I, I, in all of my marketing, I kind of, say all of that, hoping that whoever buys my, buys my, um, swipe files is going to just like really take the inspiration and run with it. But people, people are attracted to you because they find something that resonates with them. Right. And so if you're using somebody else's words or somebody else's messaging, somebody else's methods, like, like, like we all kind of do when we start out, I know I did. Oh, yeah. they're not going to resonate with you. They're going to resonate with that person. And then there's going to be this disconnect when you come together and you have that discovery yes. call. And they're yes. like, wait a second. You're not who I thought you were. You You're know? not and that's Marie just... Forleo. What are you doing here? <laughs> right. right. And then it seems smarmy, you know, and it's like, right. Nobody wants that. I think that was like a tough thing for me. Like I've been doing this for what, like 11 or 12 years now. And I remember when Marie Forleo and B-School first came on the scene. And it was like, just like what you were talking about with those email swipes, like it was everywhere and Mm -hmm. everyone was promoting B-School. And I kept always being like, should I do it? Should I do it? I should do it, right? Everyone's doing it. I should totally do it. And I kind of had to sit down with myself and be like, no amount of these emails is going to transform me into Marie Forleo. Yes, yeah. It's not gonna happen. And then I'd be like, well, she's so successful. I'm like, well, okay, yeah. She's super successful because she sat her butt on a stool in front of an exposed brick wall and made hundreds of videos when the rest of us were scared to use the platform. That's how she got where she got. I can't assume I'm going to get that level of success by sending the same emails as her. Right. And, I'm not you know, showing up the same way. We can't forget too that that's exactly what they want us to think. You know, I'm not, and I'm not calling out Marie Forleo particularly, but I let's just say, you know, the gurus you know, they want you to think if you buy this program, you know, you use this swipe file, you're, you're going to get these results, but 
what they fail to mention is that there's what maybe like 0.5% of the people who actually, you know, become that or achieve that same level of success from, from doing B school or do, you know, buying the swipe files. So there's more to the story, right? Yeah. Well, cause there's no swipe file for consistency, hmm. right? There's no swipe file for tenacity. There's no swipe file. I mean, you could probably find, you know, how to respond to a hater, say this and don't say that, <laughs> but there's like no swipe file you could put on your business for when you don't want to get out of bed the next day. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and so that's just learned and lived experience. Yeah, at absolutely. That point. And just to be yourself, like nobody can teach you how to do that. You have no. to, you have to know that it's okay and yeah, feel good about it, you know? Absolutely. And I absolutely love what you were talking about, um, about in terms of like a mismatch, if you're using someone else's messaging or even someone else's methods without tailoring or, or any of these things that, yeah, we get on that curiosity call and we're like, who the heck is this person? Hmm. It's one of the reasons why, and I've gotten a lot of feedback on this. People are like, well, if you just told your guests not to swear, and if you didn't swear, you could reach a larger audience. And I'm like, sure. However, my group calls people will get on my group call and be like, fuck, it felt good to make a sale today. And I don't (laughs) want people to be surprised by that. And I really don't want them to be surprised when I go, listen, y'all, this shit is hard Mm -hmm. on a call because I'm talking about entrepreneurship and this shit is hard, right? But I don't want to lure them in and then lose them because they don't understand who they're talking to anymore. And I talk about that all the time in the context of sales calls, specifically like, let's make sure your marketing is cohesive with your sales ID. Like, let's make sure that you're staying in that, you know, attractive, shiny, problem solving, gooey goodness space. But I'd love to pick your brain specifically about copywriting in this area of how can we so many of us have to unlearn writing, right? We have to unlearn corporate writing. We have to unlearn the five paragraph essay. We have to Mm -hmm. unlearn grammar in some ways, right? Like we're already unlearning pronoun use for really good reasons, but on top of it, you know, we're learning everything else around it. And so my question for you is how can we encourage people to play, to experiment, to foster that unlearning and discover their own writing style. It's it's so funny cuz I I've, I've just kind of gone and experienced the opposite. Like I've been I've been doing copywriting for so long and I just um I just signed up for like a like a book writing course. My my degree is in is in English with a writing focus. So not anything marketing or copywriting, but like like, you know, regular writing, whatever that is. My degree is <laughs> in musical theater, so the theater I, and me honors that. So we here. have that connection. So my, my associate's degree is in music business, which is you very go. weird, but yeah. Um, so I, I just signed up for this class to write a book and I'm sitting down at the computer to write like, you know, I, I guess like essay style. And I, I freaking forgot how to do it. It's like, yes. wait, you don't have to put so many spaces between the lines. It's not like, you know, you're not, people aren't scrolling on a website. So yeah, it's funny. So the, there, there's, you know, some little things like that. Like I kind of look at copywriting as more, it's a conversation, right? It's, it's more of a conversation. It's not about 
flowery language and you know that you can that you can write these beautiful beautiful gram- grammatically correct sentences it's it's really about capturing attention and driving action so the way the way that you know we kind of do that is writing the way that we speak and making it super clear and super easy for people to continue to read so i i'm all i'm all about like Yes, use your slang, you know, use mm-hmm. use the the pop culture references that you talk about. Like if you were having a conversation and you're going to explain something using some example from the office, do that. Like do all it. of those things because those are the things that people are going to be like, "Oh, you know, they're going to laugh or shake their head or, and and keep keep them reading and that's what's going to make them feel um a connection to you, you know, or not Gifts or not. And my- then that's okay. Yeah. Gifts are my love language. I don't even write anymore. I just drop a gift. Yeah. I am painstaking in my gift use, but it is like, bam, I get ready. Right I love there. them. But, you know, I think one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of my clients, and I feel like a lot of the time, because I, um, one of the things I really love that you offer, which I think is so cool, is you have a program to get people writing. And then when they buy it, they can upsell to have you edit it, which is just freaking genius. Mm. So smart. But um, when I do a bunch of editing, what I see most of the time is like, I'm doing a lot of topsy turvy in that because of the five paragraph essay or because of like the thesis statement, it's like, posit a question, have a couple filler sentences, then get to your point, then (laughs) go back and do some discovery and research then get to a different point. And I'm like, screw that, y'all. The point goes at the top. The top, yeah. The (laughs) top. Your thesis goes at the top. Your super bitchy, fabulous soapbox rant, you don't got to earn that. Put it at the top and then defend it. So I'm always going, okay, sentence number five needs to be sentence number one. Sentence number one needs to be sentence number six. Cut all of this. That's just filler. So... Why do you think we have a tendency sometimes when we're putting ourselves out, ourselves out there in copy to still kind of hide a bit when it comes to making our point? I know I can't be the only one that sees this. Um, why do we do this? Or what are some other ways you see that we sort of self-censor? I think kind of a lot of what I run into with the clients that I work with is, you know, a, a lot of them maybe come from um, a corporate background, you know, and they are, they're, they're starting their first venture, or maybe they're in the, in the process of um, rebranding and kind of, you know, up-leveling things. But because they came from that corporate background, they feel like everything needs to be very polished and professional and, I don't know, just very serious, right? Like it, it has this uh, kind of really buttoned up way of reading, like the, the copy that, the, that they'll kind of start writing. And, and like, that doesn't, that doesn't grab our attention, right? It's like, you, you want that hook right at the beginning. So people want to continue to read and find out what this program that you have to offer is all about, but they're not, they're not going to, move through, like you said, four paragraphs before you get to the good stuff. Like they need the good stuff up ahead. But I think it's kind of counterintuitive um, to a lot of people who, you know, are moving from a nine to five to their own business because they think like they have to sound like the CEO and you're your own CEO. You get to swear, you get to, 
bam, like right in the beginning, you get to just like grab that, grab that hook. And so, and it's, it's a hard thing to, to get past when that's what you're used to, you know? I, I love that you said bam. I feel like bam is a very popular word in my copy where I'm always like, and then bam, <laughs> bam. Like I've all of like the old Batman, like zoom, bang, pow. Like all I can totally hear you saying that if I read your, if I read it, I would be like, oh yeah. Cause it's so, you're, it's iconic. Your, your voice is iconic. Thank you. It's, it's, it's <laughs> just like that exhaustive enthusiasm has to be across everything, right? Like, hold on. This is not enthusiastic enough. Let me put some all caps shouting in a bam in there. Um, <laughs> But that's what I want. I want my stuff to shake people by the shoulders in a way that might make them laugh or mm. might sort of shock the senses in a loving way. Not like a bam, you're an idiot, but like, bam, why are you doing this, homie? Like, yeah. why on earth? Like, why on earth would that be my copy? Because that's exactly how I would talk. Right. That's yeah, exactly absolutely. how I would say it. And, and so I, I love that same thing with calls to action. I'm like, I don't want a call to action button that says join now. Right. If someone held their hand out to me in a crowded square and said, join now, I'd be like, I am about to be abducted. Like right. this, is be, this is a cult. This is a cult. This is a cult. But if someone said like, Hey, I'm having a party and you're invited. That's a link I'd click. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's, how can we when we're talking about reaching the people on the other side, how can we jump off the written page then and extend that energy into the next steps? Well, first of all, I mean, you really have to know who you're speaking to and and the language that they're using. Like, I think there's a kind of a misconception that, um, you know, kind of the, the, the work of copywriting is all about like what's on the sales page. But you know, 95% of what I do is research really like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, okay, what are, well, I'm looking at my client, right. And I'm sort of looking at what they've done already. Then I'm looking at their competition and what are, what are the questions being asked? What are the comments people are leaving? What, you know, how are people reacting to what they do? And also even like, I love looking at like, um, reviews on Amazon, like if, if like book reviews, if somebody has a, a, like a similar, if I'm working with an author and there's somebody who's written a similar book or, um, I mean, there's all kinds of places, but like actually looking at the language that people are using, that your target audience is using. So, you know, what they're looking for, what, you know, kind of what the experience is and you know, the language they're using to describe it. And, you know, that's not to say that it should be completely in their voice and like, you know, that you're manipulating things to, to sound like them because you should sound like you, but at the same time, there's gotta be a connection there, right? Like there's gotta be some kind of resonance. So you want to make sure that when you're writing a sales page or you're writing a sales email or something like that, that you know what they're, what words they're using to describe how they're feeling Um, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of transformation they're looking for. And then if you, if you can kind of see the before and afters of maybe previous clients, what that journey looked like and felt like in their own words. 
Yes, because then it is a story, right? And not everybody is super moved by story, but a lot of people are. And the people that aren't can normally glean the details they need to out of the story, right? So so leaning into that, I love. And my inner Cameron lit up so much when you said the word research. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. research. So I sexy, love research. Right? It's so sexy. It's so <laughs> sexy. And I feel like... I am surprised. Now, I could be way off here, but I'm not talking about entrepreneurship in general because I know, especially in the startup world, there's so much like valuation and competitive analysis and all of the, you know, user testing and QA and and all of this stuff. But in self-employment, especially in infopreneurship or service providing, uh, I see a very large lack of actual research. I mm. see a lot of learning, right? I'm going to get your free download and my free download, and then I'm going to read all of these things. But I don't see a whole lot of F of, of um, emphasis put on stuff like social listening, like what you're talking mm. about, where like, I'm going to go and look up and see what other books are in this space. Okay, that's basic research. But you said, I'm going to go in and read the reviews. And mm -hmm. I know that you weren't just looking at the reviews to see if the book was good. You were looking at those reviews to see if there's a problem with that book that you could have solved better or that you could encourage the client to solve better, right? If they're like, why didn't this book ever once mention X and Y? Ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. See that more than once. Maybe that's a good guidepost for you, right? So yeah. why do you think the art of journalistic use the google machine until it breaks go get on the microfiche at the library if you need to is research a dying art and if not what can we do to lean into it the hard part is i don't think there's a i don't think there's a lack of googling shit <laughs> uh, but i think <laughs> i think the problem is that most people don't take action after. And like, I am 1000% guilty of this. Like I will take course after course. I will read book after book. And like, I, I love to learn, you know, but learning only gets you so far, but I feel like that's where the experimentation comes in, right? Because you have to sort of be willing to take that next step and try something and, and see how it works. You know, you, I mean, you can learn, you can learn for the rest of your life. And if you never actually yeah. do anything different, then you're not going to see any results. So I don't know. I, maybe that's like an unpopular opinion. No, but. it totally, no, I needed it today. Like every now and then <laughs> people, I forget. I'm like, Oh, this podcast is for them. <laughs> no, it's really for me. Like today I went out and I looked up all of these journalists so I could put them on a list. What the heck am I going to do with that list? They're going to sit on a list. Maybe I'll put them in a Twitter list. What the heck am I going to do with that Twitter list? That's not doing anything, right? To your point, I should be engaging with their content. I should be trying to get them to engage with mine. I should be seeing what they're interested in, building a relationship any way that I can, doing social listening. What did I do instead? put them in a list. Yeah. But you know, what's great that you do like, this is, this is what I love about one of the things I love about your podcast that like podcasts are pretty passive learning for the most part. Right. But I love that at the end you give a homework assignment and obviously who, whoever is listening, right. It's on them 
to whether they're actually going to do something, which like it always is. Right. But at least that's something like you're giving the opportunity to, you know, take what you've listened to and like, try something, put it into practice. And I think, you know, there need, there kind of needs to be more, more of that. And like with your copy, and like to your point before, when you were saying, you know, your clients are, they get so, you know, stressed out about it and overwhelmed and like, does it have to be perfect? Guess what? You can, you can go back and delete it. You can, you can put the copy on your website and, yeah. you know, in, in a month you can change it all. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? Like you're yep. not married to it. And I, I do like, I change my copy all the time. I'm constantly updating. Like I think of something else that's funnier or, you know, I think of a better example or like funny little quip. So it's not like nothing is set in stone. And I think the more that you do that stuff, the more, um, you know, the more comfortable you'll get with kind of your copy in general, and you'll, you'll be more confident about it. It's the cameraning again. We're just cameraning. <laughs> We're like every single thing that I say, must be written in indelible ink. I must tattoo yes. it. I must carve it into stone. It will someday be made into a movie starring the ghost of Charlton Heston. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's a blog post, homies. Like, it's a blog post. Yeah. All right. I, I get it. I really do. I have to let you get back to your day soon, but I would be remiss if I did not pick that gorgeous brain more about Ferris Bueller. So what <laughs> entrepreneurial lessons do we need to learn from Matthew Broderick playing hooky. Oh, so many good things. Right. And it's funny, like I never, before I was going to be on your show, I never, I never really put um, that character in the context of entrepreneurship. I mean, it was just part of my branding because I was into the movie. Right. And and, and like, I I just want to be like him so badly, but really, I mean, like he, he's, 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 he's out there living his best life. Like he's trying the things he's, he's doing it all. He's like seeing let's, let's go to the baseball game. Let's try our hand at the, you know, the fancy restaurant and pretend to be Abe Froman and like all these (laughs) things, like he doesn't take it so seriously. He's just willing to give it a shot. And I think, you know, he's, he's not so tied to the outcome. It's more about the experience where, whereas, you know, with Cameron, he's all like, oh my God, my dad's going to kill me if we do this. You know, he's all about the outcome, <laughs> which yeah. I guess understandable, right? But well, and at the end, the outcome totally screws him. So <laughs> all that worrying didn't actually save anything. Right, exactly. And, and you know, if you think about it too, you know, I kind of love how I really believe that if we if we kind of move in the world and in the online business world as you know, kind of that version of ourselves, like being willing to take chances and seeing things as an experiment and, you know, I guess allowing ourselves to just really be who we are. We inspire other people to do that. And I know it sounds so cliche, but it's, it's so true. And you see that in the movie too, when like his sister is so pissed yes. that he gets away with this. And then, you know, when she meets her little druggy friend and he's like, <laughs> why, why can't you do that too? <laughs> like you can. Right? And she's like, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Poor pre nose job, Jennifer gray, <laughs> who I preferred to nose job, Jennifer gray, if I'm being totally honest, me too. but she, uh, she is corporate life. Mm-hmm. 
She is, is punching that her is a clock. Good, that's good. You know what I mean? She's punching that clock. Yeah. She's following the rules. She's working the ladder. She's kissing the right butts and she hates it. <laughs> but she's doing it because it's what's meant to be successful. And then, you know, she's going to the bank of mom and dad and they're like, don't whine to me, little <laughs> corporate monster. And then meanwhile, Ferris is like, I'm going to rig this thing in my bedroom that makes it look like I'm sleeping and pretend to be a sick and then go jump into a parade. And his sister's like, of course you would get into a parade, you bastard. I've been mm-hmm. trying to get into a parade for 17 <laughs> years. Right. But it's it. I think it's it's not so much about the corners he cuts. I think you're right. I think it is about the audacity. I think it's about just get out and do and apologize after. Yeah. I, I definitely, I think, and it, it's, it's like, um, he, de- I love too, that he seems to believe like he can really do anything like, yes. you, you know, in the, in the, in the beginning and he's like playing, I think it's a saxophone or something. And he's like, never had one lesson. And he just thinks he's great. <laughs> it's like, if we could all have a little bit more of that, like how much easier would this be? Right. Oh my God. I love that. If we all had that, like never had one lesson, look how impressive I am. (laughs) Instead of being like, is this copy? Okay. I kind of used a contraction here. Is that all right? Just do it. Yeah. You don't know how to play saxophone either, babe. Just shake your butt and make it look convincing. It's okay. (laughs) I love it. Shake your butt and make it look convincing. That, that needs to go on a t-shirt. Yep. Yep. It's, I don't think anyone would be surprised if you or I put that on a t-shirt. And that's what I like (laughs) about us. All right, Christy, we talked about Abe Froman, Sausage King of Chicago. Uh, Chicago loves a good sausage. We, that is a very accurate depiction. Not that I'm surprised, you know, John Hughes lived in the area and everything is sort of based in and around here. So that's a very accurate depiction, as is the very Chicago name, Abe Froman. So (laughs) my question for you is, if you were going to take on a new entrepreneurial persona to go out on the town where you live, Mm. what would your name be and what would you be the queen of? Oh, my God. That is... um... I'm just supposed to come up with that on the fly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I ask the hard questions here on TLTQ. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So I don't know. My alter ego is CC. And that came from, it's, it's so silly. It came from, so when I had the margarita mix business, mm-hmm. I was like deathly afraid of doing in-person, um, like tastings, you know, we would go to liquor stores and do tastings and stuff. I just hated the, the like in-person part of it. And so, you know, we had, we had, um, somebody working with us who did some of the tastings for us and she, she did some other stuff, some marketing stuff. And, um, she was like, it's okay. You just got to go in as CC, you're CC, you know? And it's like, it's like totally changing my personality to be like, (laughs) I am the, you know, I can do this. All right. So I don't know queen if that answers the question. It does. It's the best, what's the best one I got. What, though? Is it Cece queen of margaritas or is Cece now the queen of something else? If you went out on the town as Cece right mm. now, what would you declare yourself the queen as, as that persona? Because Ferris does not know anything about how sausage is made, literally. <laughs> oh my goodness. I guess um, I would say... I am the, uh, Cece is the queen of just 
figuring shit out. Like, I would love to see you go into a restaurant and be like, hello, you have a table for me? I am Cece, queen of figuring shit out. Oh my God. If I could just, if I could say that with a straight face. <laughs> see, that's where my theater degree comes in handy. Yes. I could probably do it. I could see All that. Right. I have zero game face. Zero. Oh. <laughs> I think I think mine depends on the day. Like some days I'll just die and other days I'll be like, I am the most convincing person alive. All right, CC, queen of figuring shit out. If somebody needs their help or your help figuring out their shit, like their funnels or their writing or their brand or their approach, what is the best way for them to get you into their world? Well, you can always um, check out my website, which is Sigelski.com. Um, I do have a podcast, which may be back at the time of um, that the time this airs. I'm not sure. So we just moved to a farm, which I told you before we hit record. Yep. And so moving has been all consuming. <laughs> and I decided to put my podcast on break for about three months. I actually didn't even announce it on the podcast yet. So it's okay. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know exactly how that's all going to work, but you know, I'm figuring it out, just like I said. So there's that <laughs> captivate and convert is the, is the name of the podcast. I have, I think like 85 episodes anyway. So even if we're not um, back yet, there's plenty there. And so many, so many great women on the podcast. Um, I think they've all been women. I've maybe had two, two men on the podcast, but it's really all about kind of like redefining what success looks like for you and building a business that feels as good on the inside as it looks on Instagram. Mm, mm, mm. There you go. Ferris is great day, but he doesn't have to fake it. Oh my God. It just occurred to me how I get to thank you right now. I get to say, oh, Cece, don't <laughs> Thank you for being on my show. This was a great interview, but I got to let you go. Oh, I love it. That's great. Uh, and then I'm going to go like hop into a parade in the middle of the street in Chicago and everyone's <laughs> going to be like, what the hell is Annie doing on a float? Anyway, Christy, it's been awesome. an absolute delight. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. This Everybody, was fun. Oh, good. That's always what I go for. Everybody else, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week, which does not include abusing your friends, unlike our dear friend, Mr. Ferris Bueller. Well, hey there. No, your homework this week is not playing hooky. This is a strategy podcast, not a self-care podcast. We get shit done around here. Now, we've all heard a bajillion times that fortune favors the bold. I've also heard it as fortune favors the brave and fortune favors the ballsy. No matter what adjective you want, it's undeniable that the people who get big wins have almost always just taken big leaps. So this week, we're going to do something bucket list outlandish. We're going to take a big old stinking risk, even if it's a tiny little marketing action like DMing one of your heroes or sending that newsletter you've been meaning to send. I publicly asked to interview Monica Lewinsky today. Yes, that Monica Lewinsky. Why? Because I've always admired her, would love to meet her, and oh yes, just remembered I have a podcast and social media on which I can ask her. Who 
knows what she'll say? Likely nothing. I'll probably get crickets. But here's the kicker. If I don't ask her, she can never say yes. So this week, we are going to take big action. What would make you feel absolutely legitimate? Getting a book traditionally published? Winning an award? Firing that pain-in-the-ass client? Doubling your rates? What would be the very first step toward making that a reality? Rip that sucker off like a Band-Aid and get it freaking done. Bonus points if what you're doing scares the daylights out of you. We will call that the Cameron Principle. Or if you have fun and make memories during the process. That one we'll call the Abe Froman Lifetime Achievement Award. And here's the deal, y'all. It is very, very likely that you have no clue how to go about seeing this big, bold, ballsy, brave thing all the way through to the finish. And that is okay. Ferris did not know which way his day was going to go when he started out. He just knew it was going to be great. Instead, we'll all take a page out of CC, Queen of Figuring Shit Out playbook, and well, figure it out. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit. <laughs>